Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Gil Gross alongside Jonathan Hoppy with you for the next hour. Getting you ready for Holy Cross. Woo! Biggest game of the season, no? Game of the century, some might say. How pumped are you? Almost as big as Georgia-Notre Dame last week. <laughs> that's that's right. And, uh, you know, we got snubbed for game day this week. But um, I, I I don't know about that decision by the, by the head Nebraska, honchos at ESPN. Ohio State, that's a tired rivalry. We all know who's going to win. Adrian Martinez, Huskers, they're just not very good. If if you're not with us here on this sarcasm, the the spread for the Syracuse Holy Cross game is thirty eight and a half. Yes, it is close to forty points. So the uh, the winner shouldn't be really in question as long as nothing insane happens. And uh, you know, coming into this game, Dino Babers was even saying, and and we're talking about a head coach who always gives his opponents the utmost respect. He was talking about nobody getting hurt. He's given Holy Cross a little bit of respect, though. He's done a decent job of instilling in his players, we've got to come out and play. And you know why? Remember when they beat Clemson to you? Of course you do. Friday the 13th, Tommy DeVito on Packer and Durham this morning was asked about Holy Cross, and he said, yeah, this is their Super Bowl. It is. Holy Cross, this is the biggest game on their calendar. And the players are aware of that, which is why they're going to run them out of the, the building 38 and a half, are you pushing the points there? Uh, it, it's hard to say, and I haven't actually made a decision uh, on that, but, you know, not that it's life or death over here, but, you know, it's you a good point. You probably won't make a decision. It's a good I, point. I would say that that's probably not something that anyone should be betting on. Just, I'm you know, with you. That's a, that's a big you. spread. Will they cover? Probably. But who knows when Clayton Welch comes in right. the game. I mean, it, it comes down to almost if they want to cover or not, and, and that's what, you, what you're dealing with. But uh, football's a sport where if you get outworked, that's not a good thing. I mean, you know, hockey's like that. I'd say base, baseball and basketball are less so like that. But, like, football and hockey, that, that's two sports where— when, Physical. Yes, when one team is working harder than the other, normally that team is, is going to make ground. So, like, certainly the Orange can't, can't go to sleep here. So what are you watching in this game? My answer would be the offense, right? The only reason that you should tune in, if I'm working for ACC Network and I Mm -hmm. am selling you why to tune into my broadcast, can Syracuse's offense continue to click? It clicked last week against Western Michigan. Regardless of who the opponent is, it's either going to click or not. And it'll be easier, you would think, but that's what I'm watching. Can DeVito continue to hook up with guys like Tristan Jackson can Nikeem Johnson catch a pass downfield? Little things like that. To me, that's what makes it interesting for the Syracuse fan, not if they're going to win or lose, and also staying healthy. I'm pretty much with you on that, and I'm, I'm looking out for identity. And I, I wrote a piece about it on orangefizz.net where it, it's almost hard to, to know at this point in the season what is the Syracuse offense all about? What are they looking to do? And against a Holy Cross team that probably won't put up that much resistance, they're going to be able to kind of cement exactly how they want to play. So what I'm interested to see is is not 
not if the offense puts up points or not, but who's putting up the points. Sure. That's something we all want to see. And you know what? I think, Gil, we haven't been on here in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. I think it was just such a strange start to the season, and it was set up that way. You play a Liberty team with Hugh Freeze, first game with the Flames. He's in a hospital bed, for Christ's sake. The whole thing was odd. Week two, you get a Maryland team who just blew out Howard, comes in, you don't have a lot of tape on Mike Loxley in his first year there, and you get smoked, and then you play the defending national champions, best team in the country, Clemson Tigers. So those three games were just odd for me, and we should have maybe seen it coming a little bit more. To go one and two there, fine. But they looked good against Western Michigan, who's a solid team. I don't You're know grinning. if I can I, I fully agree solid. with you there. I mean, they've got a good running back. They've got a quarterback yeah. who can put up numbers from time to time. Defensively, nothing special. But Bellamy's a good back. He was the best back in that game. I, I mean, I think Western Michigan is solid as well. The where where you and I might differ is, I feel like if I feel like the Orange could have lost that game. Especially if Dwayne Eskridge doesn't get injured. There was a injured. turning point. It was that fourth and short. I'm not sure why there was more than Tim Lester was going for it on fourth and short in his own territory when Western had all the momentum. I mean, they had all the momentum. You punt it back to Syracuse, another three and out, get a little better field position. I know what you're saying, but the fact is they won the game. Yeah, but and I pulled. And away by the late. way, I just want to say I, I look at a different moment. I look at when Tommy DeVito made his only mistake of the game, <laughs> but it could have been a fatal mistake. The ball was in the defender's hands. It could have been a pick six. That's and just how the cookie crumbles. Man. I know Western Michigan would have taken the lead there. I I get all that. I do, but in but I don't feel like this was a statement turning point game for it certainly Syracuse. wasn't. But it was a step in the right direction, and it's funny. That's how the cookie crumbles. If he throws the pick. You're a little concerned. Four straight weeks of an egregious interception. Instead, they drop it, and it's Tommy DeVito's best day in a Syracuse uniform. Funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah, but but you're you're putting yourself in the the perspective of the other team, or or kind of as a as a neutral spectator. If you're a Syracuse, if you're looking just from a Syracuse standpoint, the mistake was made. Who cares what happens on the other end of the football? The reality is ACC you play, got away that ball's more likely to be caught. you got to talk about what actually happened, and you can't get too hung up on that play. I'm not too hung up on that play, though. It's, it's, it a, systematic, like it's a systematic It sounds like you're problem. hung up on it. No, I'm a, <laughs> Look, I mean, I point to that play, but there are also there are systematic issues. If you look at, for example, good running backs who have played Syracuse, it's been a while, and Travis Etienne, you know, they did a decent job on Etienne, but other than that, that's been a systematic issue. DeVito sacks pressure, and uh, I think we should go more detail into that a little bit later. That's been a consistent issue, and then lapses in decision-making. That's another thing that we should have saw coming. For sure. And Dino Babers told us. He literally said at ACC kickoff, which now seems eons ago as we enter Week 5, he said it's the key to the season. And when you looked at it on paper, I think we all sort of overhyped Ryan Alexander. He's been very ho-hum. He's mm -hmm. been below average. Sam Heckel gets hurt, which moves service around. Carlos Vettorello. A lot of penalties. You probably didn't even know his name three months ago. This, this is a unit that is much maligned, rightfully so, but give them some time to gel. So my thing is... 
every season you're going to get one bad loss. You can get away with one bad loss. For Syracuse this year, that's Maryland. Bad loss. Terrible. Can you get away with it in terms of the rest of the year being clean? So if you're betting on the Orange, you're betting that they almost run the table. And they lose either at Florida State, at NC State, at Duke. They lose one of those three and they win every other game. And it's right where you pretty much thought they would be. Okay? But then if you lose more games... You know, if you the state game's massive. I mean, that, we yeah. can't get around that right now. And I'm excited to be going down there. This that's a massive game because you're going to rail Holy Cross on Saturday. I mean, they're going to blow them out. And then you have a bye, and we'll get into that later. Fizz feedback. We asked you if the bye is it a good time or a bad time. You get the bye to get Andre Cisco, Afatu Malafanwu healthy, and then you come up against an NC State team at their place on a Thursday night. This is a team that's vulnerable. We'll see how they do this week against Florida State. But this is a team, that's a massive game. But not yep. to get too far ahead of myself, there's so much up in the air. Right, and I think that there's a lot of development and a lot of areas where, where things should get better. When it comes to the, the timing between DeVito and the receivers, that should get that's better. That's seen its worst days. The For O-line sure. has seen its worst days. I mean, you got to think that's the case. And I know that's kind of glass half full, but we have reason to believe. We saw it kind of come out of its shell. Now, I'm still wondering, where is Tosh Harris? You know, where is, Knight, where is anyone but Tristan Jackson? That's still on my mind. But what I saw against Western Michigan was sort of that orange is the new fast. I saw that a little bit. Well, they, they played... This is worth noting, and this is something that it's a little bit inside baseball, but it's important. Syracuse played its fastest game, and that was the emphasis all week. All the players have been harping on it all week. The coaching staff was was like, okay, we got to get going faster, faster, faster. The average time between snaps against the Broncos was 18 seconds. That's the fastest of the season, and uh, it, it made a huge difference, and that might have been where we saw so much of the improvement. Syracuse is at a turning point, and this Holy Cross game, sure, we're not going to sit here and break it down. I guess if we want to talk about Holy Cross, they're pretty ho-hum. They're an average FCS team, and I think people kind of get the perception that the FCS is a bunch of garbage. Don't tell North Dakota State that. You know, don't tell some of these squads, even Eastern Illinois, when Dino Babers were there, Jimmy Garoppolo, he had some dudes. You know, FCS isn't a joke. Holy Cross might be, though. And it's probably the weakest team that Syracuse has played in quite some time. And this is an FCS opponent that the Orange will handle. They lose to Navy week one, 45-7. But looking back at last year, they lost to Boston College 62-14. SU handled Boston College last year. Transitive Property says they're going to handle them. That's not really what we're here to talk about. But at the end of the day... This is a really bad Holy Cross team. It sure is. It sure is. I guess technically I got we're nothing here to more talk to about it. I mean, they're, they're bad. Right. But it gives us more time to talk about what's to come. Yes. But you still want to look good in this game. Don't get me wrong. For sure. You want to look good and you want to you build that momentum heading into that state game. This is a good game to, to build some players' confidence where, they're, where right now there's none. So a guy like Taj Harris, a guy like Nikeem Johnson, honestly the running game – I would love to see the running game have a big day against Holy Cross, Jonathan, because I don't know about you, but I come into this season and and I saw, I kind of, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but... Go ahead. Okay. 
It's an inexperienced O-line. It's a first-year starting quarterback. I thought there was going to be a lot of mistakes. What I did also see was three capable running backs that I thought this was going to be a run-heavy offense. Right, but see, your camp, right, if you want to pat yourself on the back, I know what you're about to say. Your camp hasn't won yet. What do you what do you mean? Your camp of slow start, maybe more growing pains than we think. Your camp hasn't won yet. Your camp only wins if Syracuse finishes with seven wins. You know, I'm of the camp ten and two Syracuse Orange Bowl. Orange Bowl is probably off the table. Yeah. That's but and and more people were in my camp than yours. For sure. But it's not to say, and I got a lot of feedback from people earlier that predicted maybe seven wins and like, oh, I saw this coming. Hold your horses now. The, the, the jury's still out. Yeah, I mean, I, I predicted eight, and I think a lot of that is, is scheduling, and you're right. Um, at the same time, I, I feel like the, the whole thing with this year is that they're not ready yet, but I expect them to grow. We got a lot of things to get to. What are we expecting to improve? What are our biggest concerns about this team? Also, Dino Babers, he's showing up in rumors, head coaching rumors around the country. We'll get into all that and more. Back with Fizz Radio on the score 1260. I'm Gil Gross with Jonathan Hoppy with you until the top of the hour. And let's talk about the Syracuse head football coach, Dino Babers, because uh, there was some Twitter buzz. I don't know. And some bookmakers buzz where he was he was mentioned in in some talks this week. Keyword buzz. And it's crazy because not only did you not think this would happen at this point in the season. But you didn't think it would happen after a 2-2 two and two start, specifically a 1-2 and two start. But here we are again, Dino Babers' rumor, this time Florida State. It's an actual sports book, so people in Vegas view him as the front runner because Lord knows Willie Taggart's just got to go. It's not a good brand of football. Uh, right. They either, they're either losing or they're look, they look bad winning. So here's the thing. This is a prop bet. And I, I think a lot of people don't understand prop bets. Vegas is very smart when it comes to head-to-head betting, right? Over-unders, two sides. Oh, they're spreads. very good at it. Let they're incredible. incredible. They're incredible. Un, uh, un, I won't say unbeatable because you can beat them, <laughs> but they'll come back and get you. Yep. Everyone, a movable object, it seems. Right. Everyone who bets knows that. But everyone also needs to understand this. If you're looking at a prop bet. Referring to Vegas as they is just kind of fun, <laughs> right? Yeah. Vegas is like this whole Vegas. entity. Yeah. Like, and there's all these different books, but it's just like, oh, somebody in Vegas, as Dino once said. Right. Which is funny that we're now talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny that betting is a city and like those right. things are synonymous. Anyway. Right. Um, when it comes to a prop bet of this nature, so it's not like a will Christian McCaffrey get over... 100 rushing. It's not like that where there's two sides. No. If the odds are too high or too favorable for Dino Babers, the book cannot lose money. Only if the odds are too low, so they're offering too much of a return on someone, is the book in trouble of of losing to the house. Does that am I does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And I get what you're talking about. I'm so far from an expert in this field. But what I would say is 
wouldn't that be the case for every candidate? Wouldn't every person that's listed, wouldn't the same weight be shifted? Yes, but the way they design this is is they want action. So they feel like Dino Babers is someone who they're going to get action on, and they don't feel like there's a lot of liability if a lot of action gets on a guy like Dino Babers. So so the, the way, the point is when you look at odds lists of this nature, and I am not, again, I'm not discrediting Vegas, when it comes to this specific kind of bet, the, the odds are not reliable. This is a good problem to have, and I know that we talked about it at nauseum last year, specifically with USC. Even Tennessee and a couple other jobs, that was two years ago, just wild to think that Syracuse is going to have this discussion, but you are. When you're a program like SU and Dino Babers is your head coach, no matter what his contract says, no matter how many years are on it, these conversations are going to happen, and that's a good thing. What you hope, though, is you've got the right guy and you've got someone who wants to stay here in the long term, and I think he does. He says he does. I think in the perfect situation, yeah, he would leave. I don't know if Florida State is that perfect situation. Yeah, I agree. Change is hard, and people don't think about that. And, I mean, I don't—it's not like Dino Babers seems incredibly settled in when it comes to the community, and I, I don't think uh, his kids are older, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right? not in school. So, so it's not like you have that situation going on. But it doesn't matter. Change— Change stinks, and people don't want to make changes. And right now what Dino Babers has is finally he's getting through a cycle. And by the way, if you look at his career, he hasn't stayed anywhere for very long. He keeps moving and moving and moving. But right now he gets to mold this program. It's his program, and now finally everyone on the team, they're pretty much his recruits at this point. And you mentioned the buzzword there, recruits. And I know we're a recruiting service. We've been tracking it, especially this summer. We were really following some guys. Will Bryce Gowdy come? He he went to Georgia Tech. You know, would they get that elusive four-star? Never did. That's kind of where this program is at in terms of recruiting. It's a bunch of two and threes. And that's fine. Why? Because Dino Babers is turning them into more. Class of 2018, who's the bell cow? It's Andre Sisco, an All-American. So that class didn't look great. Now it looks pretty good because you've got guys on top of Cisco, that are playing decent ball as well. And Tommy DeVito is, of course, sort of the golden boy in terms of recruiting to get that elusive four-star. Babers gets him. This program is going to have a hard time. They're bottom tier right now in the ACC. Does it not feel like to you, after beating Clemson, after going 10-2 and last year and almost beating Clemson, recruiting should be better than bottom tier of the ACC. That's how it feels to me, and it's not. And if Dino Babers can't get over that hurdle, this program will not be a consistent top 25. It'll be a consistent bowl game. It'll be a consistent, you know, six to eight wins, but it won't be 10. That'll be once every five years, if you're lucky. You're right. This is a, this, as we stand is what I want to call a reverse program, and I'm just, I'm just coining this right now. Most college football programs are recruiting first, system second. 
So the name of the game is recruits. When it comes to how you play the game of football, think think Calipari. It's like real estate. He's the poster boy. Right. It, location, location, location. Recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Right. That's that's how most college sports work. The best coaches, they're the best recruiters. They're getting the best guys. Babers is the other way around. What wins games? The system. Not the recruits. The system wins games. He knows how to coach a winning football team. He knows how to maximize potential. And and we're really we're looking at a program that just does things the other way around. There certainly were a number of red flags going into the year. You mentioned a couple, young quarterback, inexperienced, young, inexperienced offensive line. Another one, the recruits, the level of talent on the roster. It wasn't up to snuff with any of the other top 25 teams, just about. Now, give or take, you could put yourself in a couple of situations. And no one is thinking about that right now. And every time we put out an article about it, I might write one next week. Just because we forget that SU is near the bottom of the ACC. And at one point it was early. It's not early anymore. And we'll be all over it in January, December, early signing period. It's not early. But Dino Babers makes you forget about it. And that, to me, is what makes him such a marketable coach. Whether they win six games this year or nine games. Dino Babers is always going to be in that conversation. Now, he does feel like more of a West Coast guy. That's where his roots are. I don't know if he would go to Florida State, but that's a high-caliber job. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned change. Well, coach is like another C word, a challenge. And that's a challenge taking over for Taggart, who at this point has to be a sitting duck. I mean, they're getting embarrassed. What was used to be the gold standard for college football in the Bobby Bowden era is now anything but. Yeah, I can't argue that if Dino Babers was offered the FSU job that he wouldn't take it. Can anyone make that argument? No sane fan with their head screwed on properly, thinking about it objectively, which is tough when you're a fan, and I get it. If it did happen, people would be fired up about it. Oh, he said he was committed. Oh, he did this. Right. And at the end of the day, I don't get scared by this stuff if I'm an SU fan, because I know that Dino Babers, until proven otherwise, is here for the long haul. He's here to change this program, and he's done a heck of a job of doing it. So ignore this stuff. we got to talk about it because it's out there, and it is a topic, because that would be such a huge loss for a program that seemingly has a ton of momentum. Right. I mean, just to kind of build up the, the FSU job, I mean, if you look at what Jimbo Fisher has done, what he did there, and what he's done with his four career. Four and five stars. Yeah. Four and five stars and a what what he showed is that Florida State, which is, by the way, the best funded school in the ACC. Yes, it gets better funding than Clemson. What they showed in that, that might era. might change soon. That will probably change soon, in all honesty. But the, the most recent data suggests FSU's the best funded school in the ACC. And... What you what you have is Jimbo Fisher showing that the the recruiting pool, the talent that resides in Florida, if you can win that, if you can win Florida, you're you're a national championship contender. You're set. And now it's kind of stripped between Florida as they're back on the rise as Florida State dips. Don't have a quarterback, so not sure what'll happen there. Miami is sort of in the middle. They're trying to be on the rise, but eh, I don't know. Depends how much you buy into Manny Diaz. I, I don't yeah. buy in a ton. 
But what I would say about that is, you know, it's a program that Florida State, think about the short list of teams that have won a national championship. In the college football playoff, how many teams in the CFP have won? Alabama and Clemson. And did Ohio State win the first year? Cardell Jones. I, I think maybe. I think I think so. But it's Alabama, Clemson, and then who since then? Auburn, Florida State. It's a short list. And Auburn, I mean, I'm talking 2011 with Cam Newton. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm talking way back. And Florida State with Jameis Winston, it's a short list of programs that have been to the top of that mountain. Florida State's one of them. One question before we put a bow on this. If Babers is able to win but can't land a four-star, is that attractive for the big programs or is that unattractive for the big programs? It's attractive because they know if you're Florida State, you look at Syracuse and you say, huh, they can't get a four-star? Boy, we can. And then Dino Babers has better recruits to play with. So think about it. If you can make Andre Sisco an All-American— and I'm not saying that he personally did that. I think Cisco was just a good find and a good recruit. Okay, so good for him. So now at Florida State, you get more chances to find the Andre Siscos in the rough. Absolutely. I, I think it comes down to, do you buy that Babers has done enough here at Syracuse that would, that would warrant attention from a program like FSU? And he's got unfinished business here. I don't think this season really will define him as a coach much in terms of his prospects. But I think it'll help if he... I mean, if he finishes around 10 wins, so many people are going to be calling. 8 to 10 wins this year would be incredible. But SU fans, you got to deal with that. And there's no reason to worry about it. If it happens, it happens. But right now, we've got a heck of a football coach. We'll get back to what we can expect out of the current team right now with Dino Babers as the head coach on the other side. Also, Fizz Feedback coming up. Back with Fizz Radio on the score 1260. I'm Gil Gross with Jonathan Hoppy. Uh, Jonathan, we almost got into a, into a fight, and we get along pretty well usually. Yeah, usually. Right? Especially but on the air. <laughs> after the Clemson game, yes, particularly on the air, <laughs> Uh, especially, uh, or excuse me, after the Clemson game, I said that I don't think it's all the O-line's fault. And I told you, we were just chatting. I said, I'm going to write a piece where I look at every time Tommy DeVito was sacked. And I think I'm going to find that the O-line wasn't as bad as everyone thinks it was. And you said, you're going to get lambasted. So I want to have that discussion with you now. You've kind of looked back on things and does my take still sound as outrageous as it did back then well here's the problem when people have gone after devito so many people when he's been struggling have said oh he stinks he's terrible so i just didn't want you to go down that rabbit hole because the fact is there were a number of things against him in the first few games really the second and third the o-line didn't help him and while clemson brought the house they brought the house. Yep. There were still times where Syracuse could have picked up those blitzes better. So that was my argument. I think yeah. the O-line just hasn't been cohesive. That's what's going to need to change. Like, we're talking glass half full. If the O-line doesn't gel, this team is going to win six games. 
Let's be clear about that's cold reality. Yeah, and and let's be clear about something because you mentioned blitzing. They might win five. They might miss a bowl. I mean, if the O line does not get their act together, and they're on their way to doing that, and hopefully Sam Heckle comes back from injury, probably around NC State. That's kind of the time, like maybe McKinley Williams comes back, Cisco and Melifonwu, one hundred percent. They might miss a bowl, but I, I, you know, optimistically, I think they'll figure it out. People don't get how important offensive lines are. And, I mean, this has been an, an age-old thing in football where it's just it's not, it's not very sexy, and a lot of the time it's overlooked. With this Syracuse team, DeVito's been sacked 17 times in four games. The analytics on how often DeVito has been pressured brings Syracuse looking like one of the worst teams in the country. That's that's what the analytics look like. What it say? It was like the second to last, wasn't it? Second to last, but I don't remember the exact statistic, which is why I was a bit vague there. Sack percentage. Sack percentage. That would On make what sense. What plays was he sacked? Something in that in that nature. Yeah. And you're right. It has been bad, but I feel like it's a combination of Devito trying to run and trying to get out of the pocket and. He's just had his head on a swivel, and he hasn't been comfortable. He holds the ball. He holds the ball very long. And this is something that, Surely, that, and that you could thing. have seen. You could have seen this last year when he was waiting for his receivers to get downfield, and he was excellent last year at making unreal throws downfield when he needed to. He was really great. But he still showed some one-dimensionality even last season where he was holding on to the ball very long. And when and I, I think Clemson saw that, and I think they said, "Look, if we if we bring too many guys for Syracuse to even block, let's make Devito do something we haven't seen him do on tape, and that's take the snap, flip it, and zip it. Get rid of it right away." Well, luckily for them, even when they did bring guys that Syracuse could block, they didn't block them. That's the early book right now on Tommy Devito is blitz, 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 for because sure. it does not appear that he's great at getting it out quickly. Because that's how you beat a blitz. You get it out to your receivers fast, and there were a couple of times in that film study you were looking at where guys were open. You could have made the throw. But you know what? He didn't. And Clemson brought the house. Western doesn't really have the personnel to do that. NC State doesn't have a great defense. They lost so many guys to the draft, too. They haven't really been at that elite level in a while. But once you play, the good thing about the ACC is you don't really play a great defense. I mean, Pitt's going to be a tough game at home. Like This yeah. back half of the schedule is going to be really fun to watch. So NC State, and as we just completely look over Holy Cross, some have called it a double bye. I think that's rather <laughs> insulting to Bob Chesney's team, but pretty much the truth. So as you play these teams that are going to be good enough to blitz you, can he get it out quicker? We know he's accurate. We know he can throw it down the field. I agree. He needs to get it out quicker, but the O-line has got to pick up blocks. For sure. The O-line has to pick up blocks. Also, the running backs are involved in this. And keep in mind, too, Dante Strickland was a good pass blocker. Mo Neal, okay, but not as good as Dante Strickland. People forget about that part of the game. You need backs that can pick up blocks, and Strickland was a physical dude. He was a... He was an excellent blocker, and he stayed on the field. Everyone, everyone in there, and everyone knew that Moniel was a better Their mother, runner. brother, father. Yeah, I what was. Were you going I, for? I didn't know which sibling, which family member to to go on. Everyone and their sister. No one says that. I think it's just mother. mother. Br- you want the mother, anyways. Okay. So everyone and their mother 
knew that Mo Neal was a better runner than Dante Strickland. And everyone was screaming on the top of their lungs, why is Strickland getting more snaps? The answer was pass protection. It's so important. And they're the brains behind the the blocking schemes. So whenever linebackers or defensive backs are blitzing, it's up to the running backs one way or another to pick up that blitz. So a lot of the times we've seen miscommunications, we've seen mishaps, less so against Western Michigan, another improvement. But it's on the running backs, it's on DeVito, sometimes it's on the O-line. I've just felt like as a whole, it's been less so the offensive line's fault as people would like to believe. The Orange just has to build, and that's fair. If that's the argument you want to make, I'm fine with that because I think the O-line has a decently high ceiling based on what we've seen this year. It's been rough, but once they settle on their guys and get Heckle back, I think we'll see improvement, and that's a big bet. Gil, what I want to see, though, is consistency. You know, I want to see this team offensively and defensively thrive against Holy Cross. I want to see all cylinders firing. Me, personally, that's the key, right? Defense has been up and down. Clemson, you'd say it was better than you thought. Western, it was worse than you thought. Liberty better, Maryland worse. Let's get some consistency in terms of positives yep. Yep. if you're an SU fan, certainly. Well, how about this one? I mean, there's, there is a lot of goals to be achieved against Holy Cross. Here's one. When's the last time the Syracuse—I'm going to quiz you here. When's the last time the Syracuse offense didn't turn the ball over in a game? Last year, Camping World Bowl. Nope, they turned it over. I actually think they lost the turnover battle to West Virginia in that game. They, hmm. they had a deficit. The last time they didn't turn the ball over was Wake Forest last year. That's eight games in a row. Hmm. You know, turnovers happen. Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm not, it's, not the turnovers. Worst, it's not the worst streak in the world. you want to turn the ball over all the time, I'm, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it. I can see it in your face. What is he doing? Yeah, I was, I was panicking there. Let's see what they do. I mean, that's the thing about this Holy Cross game is – Sure. How about a clean slate? There it is. I'll quiz you before we hit our final break. When's the last time Syracuse has lost to an FCS team? Do I get the break to to think about it? Sure. All right. Fizz feedback coming up on the other side. Also, my failed attempt at answering this quiz, quiz question. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back on Fizz Radio on the score 1260, we're taking us home. It's almost 10 o'clock, uh, but first we have some uh, some business to handle, and that's uh, a trivia question that you posed to me before the break. When's the last time Syracuse lost to an FCS opponent? And I have no idea. I don't think it's ever happened. NCAA.com has a list every time an FCS team has beaten an FBS team. And okay. I'm giving you that as a source just to clear myself if there's some huge loss in Syracuse history that I'm forgetting. If you go on it, you look it up, and you hit Command-F, whatever system you're using, and you search Syracuse, pops up once, and it's at the top of the page, and that's the ticker that says Syracuse and Holy Cross. It does not pop up in the list of losses FBS teams have suffered to an FCS team. All right. And SU's been around a while, 130th season of Syracuse football. That's really impressive. There have been three occasions this season. Am I correct in, in, in saying that? I'm At pretty, least. I, I, yeah, I, 
I heard it somewhere that there have been three. So that's that's actually probably more than UCLA. I can't remember who they lost right. in the first week. There but, have been a few. Yeah. So n- neither of us are are, are really panicking. No, that's here, that's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not because again, I, we we mentioned it at the top. Whole, there's good FCS teams. There are subpar FCS teams, and Holy Cross is average at best. Average at best. All right, let's get into Fizz feedback here. Uh, just one question this week, and it is, does next week's buy come at a good time? The results, 92 votes, and overwhelmingly, it's yes. 86% yes, 14% no. That's the right answer. I think it comes at a great time, and I know there's another open week in early November. So I'm not surprised Fizz Nation went there. That's my vote. I think it might be yours, too. I thought maybe more people would say, no, you know, let's see him out on the field and kind of get the jitters from beginning out of the way. But with the injuries, it just feels like leading up to a Thursday night game, it's the perfect scenario. Cisco, Melifonwu, McKinley Williams, they only call him Bear, but McKinley Williams is his real name. Sam Heckel, you're right. There are a lot of injuries, and any week that that Syracuse can work on getting these guys back. By the way, Antoine Cordy, we don't know know what his True. status is. He he left the last game. He probably won't play. I mean, he's another guy. Why would you play these dudes against Holy Cross? Yeah, I mean, it's it, you're right. You probably give other guys a chance. Uh, this could be a big game for a guy like Michael Jones or Lee Lee Koba, and you know s- some of those guys as well. But. Uh, in that respect, the bye week is good, but also, I just think the way this team is built, the more season happens, the better off they're going to be. I mean, DeVito needs to Which age. Which is crazy to think about, because two years ago, SU couldn't win after the bye. That's true. In the right. first two years under Dino Babers, no wins after any sort of bye. That was a lot about Eric Dungy's health. It was also about the defense. Certainly. Just it was also about the defense just getting worn out. Times change, and that's what you got to give credit to Babers for, and that's what other programs will look at, just how quickly he's turned it around with limited talent. Yeah, I, I look at, and I think we, we're in agreement here, I look at a, we look at a couple things that we expect to go up and not down in terms of improvement, mainly DeVito and the wide receivers, also the offensive line. Uh, am I missing anything there? No, that's it. But think about the glass half empty look at that, right? Maybe the receivers just don't come through. Maybe Heckle re-injures himself and he's out for the year. Maybe service gets hurt. The O-line line might never get better. Right. So that's kind of like sitting here, you know, fanboy, glass half full. The opposite could very well happen, and this could be a six-win team. I'd like to think, based on the promise that we saw before the year, that it will happen because it has delayed what so many people thought was a 10-win Orange Bowl season. I mean, so many people. And that's what's fascinating about this year's team is it wasn't just like one dude on Orange Fizz says 10 wins in the Orange Bowl. It was everyone on Syracuse.com and Athlon Sports. I mean, you you name it. Does the youth come around this year or does it take an offseason? The reason why the glass half full approach to this is viable, and, and I haven't been a, uh, a cheerleader by, by any stretch of the imagination when it comes to this team. The reason why a glass half Don't full. Don't pat yourself on the back just yet. Okay. The, the reason the glass half the full is viable. The cheerleaders might bring out the pom poms <laughs> in the end. 
It's because there's considerable youth and there's a lot of first year uh Right, but talent. there's also experience. I mean, you're starting running back as a senior. You've got a linebacking core that's inexperienced yet old, which makes you think maybe they'd have a shot. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Frederick is a senior on the outside. Your defensive line, Coleman and Robinson, are two guys that will be drafted next year. You know, there there is some experience. Service is an experienced guy, so I see where you're coming from. But I just don't really buy the, oh, next year is the window. I think next year they'll be darn good, but this year they'll be as good as they can be. I mean, you lose those two ends next year. That's a problem. That's tough, but again, I, I don't think it's as important as the offensive line and the quarterback. I think that's number one and two. The secondary should be elite next year with, with that core. And, you know, there's just a lot where, you know, it'll be DeVito's senior year. There's a lot that would you would think might fall into place next year. Certainly they should go Well, up. DeVito will be a redshirt junior. Oh, right, right. All in all... It just feels like this was a a pretty young, inexperienced team at a lot of important positions, and that's kind of reason where either they get better and better as this season goes on, or they don't. So that'll do it for us here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. I'm Gil Gross with Jonathan Hoppy. This has been a blast. Enjoy the Holy Cross game.